Hello, magic seekers, and welcome to It Turns Out She's a Witch. We're your hosts, Laura and Shannon, and, and welcome, welcome to, to our, our podcast coven. beautiful podcast coven we are delighted to be back with you for another episode of turns out she's a witch our next guest i met while doing our level two sister circle facilitator training with kate reed and i was really intrigued by her work as a women's life cycle guide and host of the dear mama podcast when a baby is born so too is a mother both are vulnerable unsteady and trying to make sense of this new world becoming a mother unravels us and reweaves us It leaves no woman as it found her. It cracks us open, takes us to our edges. It's both beautiful and brutal, often at the same time. This transformation has a name, matrescence. And we have the beautiful Nikki McCann here today to talk with us about this. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be a good one. I can tell already. (laughs) As a mom, I'm just like, oh, when you were reading those words, Shannon, I was like, yes, this is like, feels well overdue. And those last words were from Nikki's website. They're just beautiful and they really sum up everything so beautifully. So it was so lovely meeting you when we were doing our facilitator training. So first of all, let's delve into the question I always ask our guests. What does the word witch mean to you? I think of the word witch as a woman unto herself who is connected to her own power and who is connected to nature and the cycles of all living things and who understands the process of transformation and who rides those waves in her own life and who um, is conscious of them and works with them rather than against them. Mm. Perfectly yep. said. Yep. Yep. Mm. Every time think- we do an episode, I'm just like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to recreate a booklet of just all these which questions and everyone's answers. Oh, it's just it's a beautiful. Idea. And I love what you say about um, the transformations because we are always mm. in such a constant state of transformation as a human being. And I think that's something that we lose touch or lose sight of, I guess, um, that we're never the same, are we, day to day? Yeah, I think that's one of my big loves is transformation. Like when I think about my work and it's obviously working with mothers and I work with cycles and the root of it all is transformation. Like how do we change and why do we change and what does it mean to go through that process um, consciously and, and to work with it rather than against it? And I think Ultimately, that's the part that interests me the most is um, how do we change, why do we change, and what are the the gifts within the changes that we go through that we can be open to. Mm. Mm. Important work, yeah. Learning to um, embrace it or at least be okay with flowing with that. I mean, we live in a world that's so quick to define and diagnose um, put a label on and okay that's what that is rather than going it's it's moving it's not you can't just put your finger on and say that's that because we are ever evolving and the second that you label and define something you're just really minimizing it to only be one thing we don't want mm. to put a lid on the container do we yeah yeah I think that there's so many um gifts in being open to the way that we change and um and seeing ourselves as kind of on this path of continuous change and I think that came about um for me because I really struggled with change <laughs> so yeah, oh I, gosh, I we all? kind of rammed up against it um when I became a mother and mm. um and then within that you know pain and that challenge ended up being so much gold for me and something now that I'm really passionate about so it's interesting how that works you know the things mm. that we find most challenging Mm. There's some sort of, for me, there's been a real affinity with it once I kind of leaned into that process. Mm. It's such an exploratory process, isn't it? Because it's, you know, when we just talk about it in a few 
minutes. It sounds so easy, but it's a lifetime of practice and acknowledgement and acceptance and it's huge, it's huge. Um, so, Nikki, can you explain to our listeners what matrescence is? Or we were saying matrescence, so there we go. There's the two <laughs> ways that we were going. How do we say it? Um, so what is it and how was this term coined? Yeah, so matrescence is the process of transformation that a woman goes through in her journey to becoming a mother but also through her mothering. So we can, one of the easiest ways I think to kind of start unpacking it and understanding what it's like is that it's a very similar process to adolescence. So matrescence and adolescence are very similar if we think about adolescence um, as being our entry into womanhood, our entry into becoming an adult moving from being a child into this new phase of our lives. Matrescence is the journey that we go through when we add mother into that, I guess, identity and experience and the turbulence that that Mm. can bring in terms of, again, our identity, our relationships, um, how we see the world and those around us, our spirituality, our careers, Uh, how we're seen by the world as well, how people look at us and how we're treated. And matrescence is the the umbrella or the the word that we can look at all of those experiences through. How do we change when we become a mother? Uh, What are the gifts that come through this experience in terms of the expansion and the growth and the new skills and finding new aspects of ourselves, as well as what are the losses and the grief that can also be present as we're going through a rite of passage and this huge developmental kind of process. And in terms of how it came about, it was coined in the 1970s by an anthropologist, Dr. Dana Raphael, and she was um, studying different cultures and looking at um, breastfeeding actually was her kind of area of expertise. And she wrote a paper called Matrescence um, at the Forgotten Rite of Passage. And she was a really uh, big fan of Arnold Van Gennep's work, who looks at rites of passage and studies rites of passage across lots of different cultures. And she said that the forgotten rite of passage was the experience that a woman goes through when she became a mother. And she coined this word matrescence to really um, pull apart and identify that there's something really significant that a woman goes through when she becomes a mother and that that is a field of study within itself that needs to be acknowledged. And she wrote that in the 1970s. It kind of stayed in the academic textbooks. It didn't really gain any traction. She also coined the word doula, which became a huge part of our language and our understanding of the experience of becoming a mother. Um, But matrescence had really been sort of forgotten about. And then in the um, late 2000s, a <laughs> Sorry, in the late 2000s, a um, clinical psychologist, Dr. Aurelie Athen, started studying this in more detail. It was then popularized by a TED talk from Dr. Alexandra Sachs in, I think it was 2017, and it really started to gain traction and momentum as more people started to hear about it. And I think for many people, when they do hear about matrescence, it's it's I've always known. Mm. There was that this was actually taking place. I just didn't have a word for it. I just didn't have permission to actually say this is really big for me. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And so I think for so many mothers, learning about matrescence is really permission giving in that it says it's okay for you to change. It's okay if this feels turbulent for you. And it's okay. And it's actually really important for you to honor that this is a significant moment in your life as well. A lot of the time we have this huge focus on the baby and obviously we want to have a focus on the baby. They're very important and also mothers are important too. And this Mm. is an important moment in her life that needs to be supported and and recognised and this is that process of transformation. So old parts of us may be shifting, going out of focus, as well as new parts coming into focus and growing and blooming. And there's this kind of alchemical process that's happening around a mother. And my work really focuses on educating um, mothers and also practitioners, people who work with mothers around what's going on, what is matrescence, how does this unfold in someone's journey, as well as how can we best support that transformation process 
so that she has a healthy rite of passage and that she has she moves through this experience being witnessed and being acknowledged and having space and time to allow this transformation to take place and to consciously decide what she wants next because it is the end of one season of life and the beginning of another and if we don't recognize that things are changing we're going to constantly feel like we should be living our old lives just with children as well Mm. (laughs) which uh, I can tell you from experience is very difficult I'm sure maybe you might have lived that too but if we don't kind of honor and acknowledge what's shifted and changed hold space for that grief and also create a new vision for the future that's aligned to our values and that inspires us and excites us, we can feel this kind of tension and and stuck kind of energy that um, we're not who we were before, but we haven't given ourselves permission to decide who we want to become next. Mm. Massive. And I Mm. wish that this knowledge had been around 22 years ago when I had my first son (laughs) because that you just summed up exactly what happened to me. I mm-hmm. I was only 21 when I had Oscar and, um, yeah, like I just, I guess, didn't have that rite of passage and I kept thinking I've got to get back. I've got to get back to what I was before, like in regards to my, you know, socialising and my body, I expected it to be pre-baby and, you know, why, yeah, why am I feeling all these things? And, yeah, exactly what you said, trying to fit this new child into a life that was no longer, like I wasn't just my husband and I anymore. We were a completely different family unit and I struggled big time and ended up with postnatal depression and and I think that was a lot of it was just not having that um, acknowledgement that I've gone from the maiden into the mother and that transition. Mm. I think so many women can relate to that experience of it just not being uh, acknowledged and there being an expectation that, well, you've had the baby now, so why aren't you back to normal already? Like, why aren't we entertaining visitors? And when are you going back to work? And there's all this pressure to just be like, when are things going back to how they were before? And then there's that kind of performance anxiety of like, I have to be who I was before and I have to be seen to be, you know, back to normal and back to to my pre-baby body or back to work or back to the old life. And with everything just fine. You you know, you dare not make anybody else feel uncomfortable that Mm. you're telling them everything's so hard and you're struggling. That's going to make them feel uncomfortable to hear that. able to hear it's all good yeah going fine yeah and like allowing ourselves time to actually integrate mother into our identity because as you said there's this expectation to just like get it and just nail it as soon as the baby's Hmm. born well your maternal instinct in inverted commas just kicks in and then you should know exactly how to manage this and it shouldn't be difficult it should just come naturally it should come easily it should be the ultimate fulfillment it should be smooth Hmm. all these shoulds yeah and matrescence can give us language to say that this is actually a process becoming a mother doesn't happen in an instant it's Mm. not that as soon as you get those you know two red lines on the pregnancy test or as soon as the baby's born that there's a a flick a switch that's flicked Mm. it's a process it's a developmental Mm. change in the same way that we have so much compassion for adolescents when they're going through that shift like we know (laughs) it's really big and they need support yeah and I guess it's just extending that same sense of compassion and understanding to mothers and saying this is a process that takes time and you're going to need support to move through it as well Mm. I I love love that that analogy when you look at adolescence it truly is that transition time isn't it when you're learning it takes years yeah it takes years like I've got a, a 15 year old at the moment and it's been a gradual change I reckon over the last 18 months in particular it's not an overnight switch of you've gone from a child into a teenager it's this gradual change and gradual growth and gradual moods and <laughs> gradual you know everything it's yeah and it's so true what you say Nikki about how why do we expect mothers just to overnight become one mm. Mm. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing what you do. My goodness, we need to multiply you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Put you on every street. <laughs> Put you at the doorway of every hospital. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really excited that there is this huge growing momentum around matrescence, though. I think yeah. so many yeah. 
women go through this experience and then they come out the other side and say exactly what you said, like, why Mm. didn't anyone tell me? Why Mm. was there not any support or anyone even acknowledging this for me? And I think many of those um, people, when they learn about matrescence, they then want to go out and share it with others. And that's really Mm. exciting because that's how we create change, you know, Mm -hmm. by all of us learning about this and sharing it with the mothers and non-mothers as well in our lives. Mm. This isn't just something that mothers know about, but it's something that everyone knows about and it becomes just as common as talking about adolescence. Yeah, it's setting a new, maybe not expectation, but understanding um, that's just not talked about, isn't it? And um, especially in today's society where everything's so fast and more mothers do need to need to go back to work to afford a certain lifestyle or living standard or financial situation of any kind of sort, There, you sort of almost get further and further away from just stopping and acknowledging where you're at because mm-hmm. you need to carry on. But mm-hmm. how do you carry on when you're not fully understanding where you're at? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Nikki, can you speak to us about your own personal initiation into this line of work? Yeah, so I became a mother in 2016. I had my son and prior to becoming a mother, I'd worked really hard in my career for about, I think it had been probably about 10 10 or 12 years to kind of get myself to a position that felt really exciting for me. I had, you know, climbed the corporate ladder. I'd played the game at in the corporate kind of environment. And I um, had a position where I felt like I had really kind of achieved something. And made it. Yeah, I felt inverted commas, made it. Mm. And I um my career was a really huge part of my identity. If you had have asked me who I was, I would have said that first, like, this is who I am. And I think that for me, if I really reflect on that, it was because I had um, probably some low self-worth and that that really my career had been a way to be somebody and to be somebody who was achieving something and who was respected. And I was very much, you know, in that kind of um, corporate patriarchal world where it was all about a particular version of success. And I had in inverted commas made it. And then I became a mother and I um, thought, you know, before I had him, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have a nice little break for three <laughs> months. And then I'm going to go back to my job and I'm, you know, going to just go back to the way that things were. And when I became a mother and I had my son, I experienced a lot of loneliness and isolation. I'd just moved to a new city. I was spending a lot of time by myself. There was no acknowledgement about what was going on with me. I was going through it alone. I really didn't have any like wise women or elders around me to to explain to me what was going on. And so I kind of just ended up slipping into a state of being quite confused about what this what this phase of my life was because I had also had my identity so closely um, entangled with my career. I was like, well, who who am I now? Like, if I'm not doing that, this who am I outside of that role? Who, who what am I interested in? What mm-hmm. am I like? Like, I, I really just felt almost like I had been wearing this mask for my whole life where I was, you know, um, this career-focused person and I was really, you know, successful and then I didn't have that and then I didn't know who I was and that was quite a almost kind of ego shattering experience, to be honest with you, um, because I then was like, well, who am I without that? Um, I also experienced um, childhood trauma and becoming a mother brought a lot of that up for me because I was essentially reliving my own experiences of being mothered. It was making me very reflective around my own relationship with my mother, my um, experiences of being mothered. And in many ways, um, having my son has been so healing for that because it has brought up so much of that to the surface and it has forced me to look at that experience and to um, do things differently and to be open to the um, insights that I can get. But it was definitely a really kind of disorientating period. And I did start trying to kind of go back to my old life. (laughs) 
And I remembered having this moment um, and I was doing some contract work. I did learning and development um, before I became a mother and I went back and I had to put on my old clothes and I had to put on my old shoes. And I remembered walking down the street into the office and I couldn't walk in my shoes properly anymore. And that was really symbolic of just... Yeah, I don't even walk the same way anymore. Yeah. Like, and this doesn't feel, this feels like a, a performance now. It doesn't feel like me. And throughout that whole kind of experience, you know, very long story short, um, I had a real, I guess, kind of awakening about identity, who I was, what I, um, what I felt passionate about now, and started going on a bit of a self-development journey, which I continue to be on um, now. Um, but throughout that process, I ended up starting a meetup community for mothers to help um, mothers meet other mothers in their area because I had experienced such like intense loneliness and isolation and that ended up growing really quickly. It grew to 40,000 members in three years. And then, wow. yeah, <laughs> which was great. But at the same time, I was like, oh, wow, this is like this big thing that I, it's like another child that I had to yeah. kind of after and mother. And um, in 2020, that community was acquired by the Centre of Perinatal Excellence. So it's now a part of their um, program for new parents, which is really cool. And um, in in that time, as I was kind of going on my own self-development journey, that was when I started being open to the idea that there was so much spiritual growth inherent within motherhood. And that had been my experience. I had had this huge unraveling through becoming a mother, but I had also had so much growth and that became really fascinating to me. And that was when I started my work in 2019 around um, personal and spiritual growth through motherhood. And I came across the concept of matrescence, went on this huge exploration and studying lots of different areas um, and fell in love with supporting other mothers through this experience. And I feel like um, as a lot of people who are drawn to working with others, particularly through transformation or healing, it was through my own experiences that I became really passionate about supporting other people and could see the gaps and wanted to help create solutions. And again, having that learning and development background, I was kind of in my experience going, there should be more support here. There should be (laughs) more resources. And then that's kind of what I thought about doing is creating those resources and support. What a beautiful journey. I love how, as you've even said, like your background, it helped this new passion and I just love hearing how people end up where they are it's just always seems to be divinely orchestrated doesn't it yeah totally and it's one of those things I we just had a coaching call actually for one of the programs I'm running this morning we were talking about like the breadcrumbs and how you have to just kind of follow that trail even though sometimes you don't really know where it's going to lead and it might not make complete sense and then you get further down the trail and you look back and you go oh wow that's why I went down those paths and this is how it's all kind of connected and come together. And I think we can all, you know, look at the bread, the breadcrumb trail in our own lives and see those connections. Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of the time it comes down to having that trust in mm. ourselves to follow that inner nudge or that, that feeling in our body, even though sometimes it doesn't really make a lot of sense. <laughs> paying attention to begin with yeah mm. Mm. so true um I host a, oh I co-host another podcast with a friend of mine her name's Tracy Dimitch and she's a psychic medium and um we often talk about intuition or even you know we often get questions how you know how can you tell what's the message what's the symbol what's the sign and often in reflection you can see how it all sort of works out can't you it's learning how to first you know recognize the signs and then follow them and build that trust and that faith and strengthen that connection it's fascinating we could talk all day (laughs) definitely uh Nikki how important is ceremony and ritual within your own life especially now that you're a busy mum uh well I found ritual 
after I became a mum. So mm-hmm. I don't have any experience of what it might have been like before becoming a mother. I know that I've spoken to and heard other women talk about how they were able to have so much, you know, rich ritual and ceremony and long processes. Indulgent. Indulgent. It sounds mm. amazing. And I, <laughs> I love I love when I do have space for that, mm. but it doesn't happen very often. Um, I I find that for me, I bring just that kind of idea of ritual into everyday life. So if I think about ritual as doing something with intention, then I think we're doing rituals all throughout our day and whatever we're doing, we're infusing it with the intention that we're holding at that moment. So for me, bringing in ritual, it looks pretty basic at the moment. It's how do I have my morning coffee? How do I start my day? How do I end Mm -hmm. my day? Um, what am I already doing and how can I bring my awareness to the intention that I'm holding at that time? But in terms of, you know, set ritual, I always try to honour the first few days of my menstrual cycle as being a time to release and set new intentions. And that's generally a pretty simple process as well. It's not much that's elaborate about it at the moment, unfortunately, but it might look like making myself a really nice cacao and letting go of what I no longer wish to carry into the next cycle and thinking about what I want to call in more of or cultivate more of in my life. So it's basic at the moment, but it does the job for me. It's Mm. perfect. It's amazing um, that that's a general response that we receive. It's in the little things. It's in the intention set behind it, exactly what you said that's the real power. It can look as flamboyant and indulgent as ever, but it doesn't change the essence of it, does it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes the most simple things can be really powerful too. Like I actually just looked and one thing I do is whenever I do a podcast interview or coaching call, I light a candle and that's Mm -hmm. just, it's simple, but it, it means for me that it's an acknowledgement of being in connection and an opening and a closing and I think that that's what ritual looks like for me now very very simple but the intention's there mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and even if it's just a couple of minutes prioritizing that you know prioritizing you mm. even if it's 30 seconds yeah So, Nikki, can we chat about the concept of the maiden dying as part of our transition to mother? I loved your views on this on Instagram and I'd love to share it with our listeners. Yeah, so um, my perspective on it is that the maiden doesn't die but that she becomes part of an expanded version of ourselves. And the kind of um, metaphor that I think of in my mind is if we think of like a babushka doll and that we have (laughs) this little kind of version of ourselves and then as we grow we kind of expand outwards and that the maiden is someone who lives on within us and that when we become a mother, we become mother to her too. So it's not that she (sighs) dies or that she has to um, no longer have a space in our life, but it's how can I hold her within me too. And I think that sometimes um, some of the conversations around the experience of being a mother is that there is, you know, a death of the maiden or that there's no room for that aspect of ourselves. But I think the maiden is an energy that we can bring into our mothering that has so much value. So play and joy and spontaneity and it's um, how can I bring more of that into or still honour that aspect of myself. And I also really love, and I did talk about this on Instagram, but I do a bit of it in my work is how can I also cultivate a relationship with my inner crone and my inner maga Mm. and how can I actually be in relationship with all of these different aspects of myself now and how can I call on different qualities within those archetypes or aspects of myself to help me now in my life. So one of the best ways I I find to get perspective on what's going on in my life is to ask my inner crone, like, what do you mm. think about this? If I zoom ahead to my life, you know, what what advice might she give me about what's going on right now? 
And if something's going on and I feel like I'm disconnected from my creativity or myself or I'm feeling really used or like there's no room for me, how can I connect in with my inner maiden and what does she need from me right now? So Mm -hmm. seeing it as as a um, relationship that we continue throughout all different aspects of our lives and knowing that, um, you know, the maiden, when we become a mother, there might be aspects of her that fade out of view or that are obscured because life is busy and we're (laughs) birthing this new version of ourselves as mother. Um, And how can we kind of, you know, know that some parts might go out of focus or be composted so that new aspects of ourself can grow? And how can we, though, still hold space for being a mother to our maiden too? Mm. I love that. Yeah. And I think um, uh, I've been playing around with, um, you know, the birth process is like contraction and dilation. Like so we have contractions and then we have dilation and we need both Mm. for the baby to be born. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the same process with the maiden and the mother the maiden contracts so that the mother can expand, but then they have to come back into some kind of equilibrium with each Mm. other. So it's not that the maiden just needs to contract until she's nothing and she's not there anymore, Mm. but there is a, a, um, a birthing process that's happening when we go through matrescence and we're becoming a mother. And there might be, you know, a big focus on our mothering and the maiden might be not as in focus right now, but at some point we need to kind of get them back into relationship with each other and for all aspects of ourself to be acknowledged and be present um, because I find that when we kind of deny that aspect of ourselves or we're just only in the mother role, we can feel really um we can feel like we're being extracted from a lot of the time and that yeah. there's no room for us in mothering, um, for us as a a woman and as a person or as a daughter or sister or friend or lover or whatever it might be. Anything other than just being Anything other than mothering. (laughs) (laughs) So I think, yeah, I think like knowing that, yeah, when you first become a mother, there will be a time where the maiden kind of contracts and that so much of your energy is going into mothering. But at some point there needs to be Mm. a little bit more of an equilibrium it's a phase it's a beautiful way to look at it and Mm. also what comes to my mind as well I think that maiden stops us from becoming too hardened as well Mm. doesn't she she's she's the sweetness of life she's joy Mm. she's curiosity she's Mm. and we do need to take her into the rest of our lives that's for sure otherwise I think that's when you know bitterness and resentment and things like that can come in because as you say we're just if you're constantly being drained, mm. you've got nothing left to give. So, mm. yeah, I'm it's beautiful love. way of looking at it. Yeah, I'm in love with the babushka doll <laughs> analogy and even also connecting to the maga and the crone as well mm. as mothering the maiden. Mm. Um, wow, it's just amazing. It's, mm. it's just perfect. <laughs> um, so another quote of yours that I loved is our culture fetishizes, is that the word? Fetishes. <laughs> fetishizes. <laughs> I just made a new one up. <laughs> um, the maiden extracts from the mother, makes invisible the maga and discards the crone. Such powerful observations. How do you feel as women we can overcome this other than the babushka doll? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, I really noticed this because when I became a mother and, and now that I work with mothers and have done for some time I think that part of the challenge of that transition from maiden to mother is that we know on some level maybe consciously or unconsciously that we're moving out of the phase of life that's idealized by our culture Mm. a young youthful maiden unattached you know and huge moving into it's a big part of it I think and I don't know that we're always conscious that that aspect is there um so I can see that 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 that's present, and as I look ahead to to Marga and Crone, I can see and and have witnessed and have had the um, 
the privilege of hearing from muggers and crones that there is that um, invisibilizing almost of women as they age and that our culture does really fetishize the maiden. We have an anti-aging industry that, you know, is huge, that is all about keeping women looking young. Um, but I also think that culturally we want women to stay in maiden because perhaps they're more amenable to mm. the culture. Mm. And I think it's interesting that as women age and have more experiences and perhaps witness injustices, um, experience the detriments of the culture um, and are perhaps more willing, are more embodied and, and know who they are and are more willing to speak back to power and are more willing to stand up and say this is wrong, that they're made more and more invisible. And I mm. don't think that that's an accident. I think that that's quite convenient. and. In terms of how we can uh, kind of move through that, I, I definitely don't have all the answers, but I do think that when we're talking about creating cultural change, recognising that that happens first within ourselves. So we all have an inner culture of that we have absorbed from the outer culture about what we think it means to be a woman or what are our own beliefs about ageing, what are our own beliefs about um, women in their Margaret or crone stage, uh, what do we value? And really examining that first within ourselves, knowing that any changes that we make in our inner culture, that's how we create external cultural change when enough of us have made, have made those um, inner shifts and have almost rooted out any of that toxicity within ourselves. And there's a quote from Glennon Doyle, which I pulled up to share with you, which mm. I think really sums up this idea of creating cultural change and how we're all responsible and uh, have the ability to contribute to cultural change. And this is the quote from Glennon Doyle. It says, the norms were created by somebody and each of us is somebody. We can make our own normal. We can throw out all the rules and write our own. We can build our lives from the inside out. We can stop asking what the world wants from us and instead ask ourselves what we want from the world. So we can all do this work to create culture and I think cultural change will only ever happen when we demand it. Mm. The culture doesn't have any desire, I think, to honour or acknowledge mothers more. It's not just going to land in our lap, <laughs> unfortunately. It's when enough of us are willing to speak up and to, to say we deserve better, we deserve more. So cultural change happens from the inside out. Yeah. And I think generationally now that more and more women who are already empowered to speak out and less repressed when they reach motherhood don't have to fight so many layers within themselves to to find their voice, they already feel empowered to speak out. I think more and more it will shift. Mm. Do you think so? Yeah, I think so. I see a lot of um, promising signs um, that people are becoming more willing to speak out and I also don't think it's going to be a quick process. Mm -hmm. And I yeah. think with my work and because I work with practitioners now and we have lots of, you know, really rich conversations about how can we create change mm -hmm. Um, I think that we're not just doing this for our generation, but we're doing it for our daughters and our daughters' daughters because yeah. we might not see this change. Absolutely, mm -hmm. yeah. But what can we do to kind of push it in the right direction? Yeah, and pave the way. Yeah, and as, you know, other women have done for us, it wasn't that long ago that um, I pulled out a, um, a statistic actually recently for our training. It was in the 1960s that women were allowed to open a bank account. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, it's wild, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was the 50s, and, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. like you know, that's our mothers or our mothers' mothers, mm -hmm. our grandmothers' generations. It's not that long ago. So, if we think about that in the context of where we are right now, what we're doing isn't just for us; it's for the future generations as well. Yeah, mm, so true. Well, even um, my grandmother's generation, like men weren't present at birth either. Like 
to think that was only a couple of generations ago that it was all hidden. It was this hidden realm from the men. You can't possibly <laughs> let mysterious. them see that or yeah, they can't possibly know what happens. So, yeah, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to think about what our granddaughters will experience, I think. Hopefully it's a completely, yeah, yeah new yeah. world. So can you tell us about the online training you offer at Seasons of Matrescence? Yeah, so I, um, through my kind of personal development unravelling and putting back togethering um, of becoming a mother, one of the things that I really connected with were the seasons. So that first really landed for me with understanding the menstrual cycle and understanding the different seasons that we go through there. And that opened up a lot of self-compassion for me that I wasn't going to be the same person each day and that that was actually okay and that I was a cyclic being and the cycle that I follow is the same one that the moon follows and the tide follows and the seasons follow. And that um, was really life-changing for me. And as I started applying that to my life, I saw that I could track the same changes with the experience of matrescence and becoming a mother Um, And as I did that, I started aligning it with some different psychological models for change and rites of passage theory and found that they all lined up really beautifully together. And I created the Seasons of Matrescence to kind of provide a map for what the transformation of matrescence can look like, how we move through these different stages. So it's um, a map for navigating change and transformation, firstly in the journey to becoming a mother, but also ongoing all of the different shifts and changes that we move through. So we have autumn as being the beginning of change when we realise that something isn't working or that something is changing within us or we're being called to create change. Winter is being that in-between period where we're not who we were before but we're not sure who we're we're becoming, where we're being called inwards to rest, reflect. Um, It's the transformation phase of a rite of passage where we're undergoing this alchemical process. Spring being the phase of new beginnings and of emergence, of um, feeling maybe a a new sense of clarity about what we want and who we are, but it's that new growth that still needs to be protected as it's emerging. And then summer is being the part of the cycle where we're culminating, we're seeing all the fruits of our um, transformation. Perhaps we're being called to share those gifts with others, supporting others through transformation, mentoring, um, even just having a conversation with a friend and helping guide her through. And that was the model that I created because I found that a lot of the time, particularly in the experience of becoming a mother, when we're going through those real winter phases where things feel challenging and hard, there can be this energy of being stuck. And I don't know if I'm ever going to feel like myself again. Are things <laughs> ever going to get easier for me? When is this going to end? And then being able to apply a cyclical lens um, made that transition a little bit smoother because we could say, yeah, we're in a winter now and this is what we might need. These are the challenges, but also we're going to move into spring. And that's very much the lens that I look at it through is that it's a map to provide women with and to help them gain confidence and skills and tools and resources that they can draw on so that as they do go through these cyclical changes in their lives, they can understand them better and have tools that they can draw on. And the program that I offer, Seasons of Matrescence, is a practitioner training uh, that runs for six months for those who want to provide education, support or guidance around matrescence for mothers. So in that program, we go on a really deep dive through matrescence, identity, adult development. Uh, I share the Seasons of Matrescence model in more detail and share about how it can be used to facilitate transformation. And we um, go through different tools and resources and rituals and processes that can be used with mothers to support their matrescence journey. So we're just actually at the final week of our 2022 round, which is our first round of the program. Mm. We've had 40 um, beautiful women go through the training and it's been a very magical experience to see all of these women who are so passionate about supporting mothers now going out into the world and sharing this work um, more broadly. There's people from all over the world, which is kind of wild to think about. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it's been been really, really special. 
congratulations yes gosh that's Mm. huge yeah absolutely huge work you're doing and very much needed in the world thank you sounds incredible you know so much power teaching practitioners as well as mums how to support themselves through each phase yeah yeah and I think that again it's a tool for all of life's transitions so we're talking about experience of becoming a mother but we're also talking about how can we use these same tools if we were going through a relationship breakdown or mm-hmm. we were going through infertility or we were moving through perimenopause or menopause or our children starting school, or how can we apply this to so many of the different transitions that we go through? And, yeah. Loads of transferable skills, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is it back to me? I can't. I can't it stop to talking you, to you. I just... <laughs> I don't know, I want to like go away from the script. <laughs> uh, Nikki, you know, this is a good one. If you could go back in time to when you first became a mother, mm-hmm. what advice would you love to give yourself? Uh, don't be afraid to ask for more support, I think. And I think support is one of the biggest things that we need as we're moving through matrescence, um, just witnessing and being heard and Um, having people who are going through or who have been through a similar experience who can kind of almost give you that map and show you the mile markers and say, this is where you are right now, this is what's coming and it's okay and you're not doing anything wrong and I guess kind of be torchbearers for the rite of passage of becoming a mother. I think that's what I needed most. Mm. Yeah, I've got to agree learning to accept the help as well and I think sometimes the help that that is on offer isn't what you need or you don't know how to ask for the help that you need from those willing to give it and I think we're going you know through our own experiences we're learning what others need through what we needed. Yeah and I think it's a really forgotten aspect of our culture isn't it we don't know how to be there for each other anymore like we don't know how to be in community and so I think we're relearning. Yeah what community means and how we can be there for each other in meaningful ways. And I think we do our best with the skills we have sometimes. Um, And it's, yeah, it's definitely a relearning. And our communities are so different. Our communities used to be our family all living under one house, where now our communities are online or maybe not even neighbours if we've never met them before, which was so unusual back in the day. But these days it's very common. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, Nikki, is there a particular quote that resonates with you deeply and would you mind reading it to our listeners? And this can be from your own work or the work of someone that inspires you. Yeah, so I love Elizabeth Blesser. Um, So I'm going to share one of her quotes and it's about surrender and I guess moving with life. And it says, every day we are given a choice. We can relax and float in the direction that the water flows or we can swim hard against it. If we go with the river, the energy of a thousand mountain streams will be with us. If we resist the river, we will feel rankled and tired as we tread water stuck in the same place. So I feel like that really, for me, I'm in a season where I'm being really called to slow down. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of inner resistance about that sometimes and (laughs) I'm really being pulled into it. And I think that quote for me just reminds me that there's so much power in surrender and acceptance and that kind of image of the river kind of pushing me to where I need to be, even if I don't really know that that's where I need to be right now. It's got its own kind of intelligence and to trust life and to trust that process. Mm, Yeah. And there in comes that trusting that guidance and that support that we don't we can't see the whole picture just yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just it takes us back it. to those breadcrumbs, I think, that we were talking about at the start yeah. where it's like you don't know why you're being called to do something all the time but just trusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, getting out of your own way. Mm-hmm. That's half the battle, isn't it? <laughs> getting out of our own way. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, On the podcast, we have a divine tool of the week, each episode to share with our listeners. Is there anything in particular that you love working with in Ritual that you'd like to share? I love anything sensory. So I love like smells or 
like nice fabric or a nice cushion to sit on. I love just making things feel like more of a sensory experience. So at the moment I'm loving um, this incense brand. This is incense. I've always got something like that burning or some essential oils or a candle. Like I just love kind of using my senses and 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 I think particularly because I've gone through a period just recently that's been a lot of facilitation online. Mm, and it sounded like it. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> sitting. It's nice to kind of bring in my body and my senses throughout the day. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. It brings that little bit of magic into the mundane, doesn't it? Yes, yeah. And do you have anything brewing you would like to share with our podcast, Coven? And how can everyone find you and your incredible work? Well, um, at the moment, my main focus has been the Seasons of Matrescence program, um, but I'm just about to relaunch my podcast before the end of the year, which is also being renamed to the Seasons of Matrescence, which is quite exciting. Oh, wow. That's nice. very exciting. Yeah. yeah. So, A rebirth. Uh, yes. And it's it's been yeah, I love I love the rebirth process. I've loved, you know, putting together the new visuals and just breathing a different life into it, a different energy into it, and I'm really excited to share that soon. Yeah. Amazing. Can't I'll wait to see it. Yeah, I'll be excited to see it. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so much for joining us. I think we could talk to you so much. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I know. I knew today was going to be special and I just know um, you know, whether our listeners are mamas to be or new mothers or mums like me that have been a mum for 20 mm-hmm. years, but I still get something out of this. I think it's just such mm. um incredible no, work mom. you're doing and so needed. Thank yeah, you. Thank yeah, you. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, thank you so much for doing what you do. It's amazing. No Can't thank wait you. to be friends in the future. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody well thank you for joining us this week and please take care and we will catch up with you next week bye we love bringing turns out she's a witch to you each week at no cost so if you like what you hear please consider supporting the show by donating to our patreon we are a small operation researching coordinating and producing the show ourselves any amount is sincerely appreciated and helps offset the costs of making the show As a thank you, you'll get access to some beautiful guided meditation recordings, a Patreon shout-out on the podcast. There's monthly live Q&As, competitions and giveaways, as well as a special book and movie review bonus episodes. For more details, please click the link in the show notes. Of course, if you want to get in touch, send us an email at tospsychic at gmail.com. As always, we welcome your questions. We'd love it if you left a review and shared the podcast with your family and friends and give us a follow over on Insta at turnsout underscore she's a witch. Until next time. Thanks for listening and being a part of our podcast coven. <laughs>